Hey, welcome back. Um, based off the conversation that we just had, it sounds like you had a super awful time at a place you don't like going, even though that place rhymes with jerks and pesos. Does it rhyme with pesos? I don't think so. Turks and Caicos, welcome back. Welcome back to the L. Duncan Show with Gary Streisky. We're a day late, never a dollar yep. short, but that is because I did go to Turks and Caicos uh, for the weekend, an extended weekend to hang with a great friend of ours, me and my mm -hmm. husband, who's turning 40. I had an awesome time in Turks. I just think, I think that like how you vacation is a really big identifier of the kind of person that you are, your personality. Okay. I do not, I don't, I don't relax that well. <laughs> Oh, I like to, I like pick to pick the do, wrong place. Yeah. And like Turks <laughs> is like 100% the most relaxing. Like if you are, if you've never been and you just want to go to a place, look at the most beautiful beach you've ever seen, kick your feet up with a drink, lay on a lounger all day and do nothing like that is the place for you. But I just don't do that. Well, I'm like a little too ADD. Um, I don't rest good. Like I, my relaxing time is still spent like needing to do something. So, uh, so Turks is not, I would say my number one place in the Caribbean because of that reason, or that I've traveled because of that reason, but it was great. It was a fantastic time. Um, I accidentally left all of my recording equipment here in the state. So uh, that's why the podcast is a day late because I was unable to do it from my phone. I felt like our incredible audience deserved better, Gary. No, that's fine. Listen, we're here we still have much to discuss, plenty to talk about. I don't think people's weeks are complete until they get our perspective on the week that was and that what you the think? week that will be. Mm. No, but I'm just trying to fill some time here. I like that. Okay. Um, so listen, welcome back to Vacacion. How, how's Drake doing? Because you might end up in his next song for besmirching his, his second love next to Toronto. Yeah, Drake was in Turks at the same time and everybody kept talking about like this like I think that's how you know you've reached middle age. Like everyone kept talking about this day party and I'm like fervently trying to find out where it is. Not because I want to go, but because I want to avoid it at all costs. You're trying to stay away. Yeah, yeah. I was like, where is it? No one would tell me a name. I was like, where is it? I need this information. Like you have to tell me where it is so I can avoid it like the plague. I you're trying to stay no, away. Yeah. I'm no parts of those too. industry parties anymore. That was a long time ago. Um, I, listen, I left no stone unturned in Atlanta. So we're all set. Uh, but yeah, Drake was there. He has apparently made a bartender who there's yes. this like, yeah, there's like this floating barge thing in the middle of the water in Turks. And it's just, you know, you go out on a little boat or a dinghy or whatever and, and you drink. I mean, it's just a big giant like drink barge. And Drake apparently made a girl quite famous there, a bartender there named Flaka. Did see that. Yeah, um, because she is a beautiful woman and he took her on a date and, you know, just doing the Drake things that he does. And so now people are apparently flocking to Flocka and uh, going yep. to this drink barge. We passed it when we took the boat out one day and literally didn't think twice about not stopping at all there. But um, but yeah, so that's what we did. We were in Turks. And imagine me, right? It's like the epitome of paradise. It's super quiet and just incredible. And and we're at this bar and everyone's like relaxing by the marina, but they happen to mess up and have some football on. So here's oh. me ruining everyone's sanctity and quiet and tranquility by numerous times yelling, let's go Broncos or ha ha Chiefs. the noise limit. Listen, I got great joy out of watching 
the Chiefs do what they did. And you know, one of those things that is sort of annoying to me about sports fans, Gary, is that like when you're out in public sort of watching sports and you're cheering for your team or you're booing for a team that you don't like. And then some stranger that you don't know, like looks at you, like, which is what happened in Turks and Caicos. And they're like, oh, I'm a Chiefs fan. Oh, As if like with that information, I'll boo less. I'm like, oh, well, now that I know that, I'm like literally going to zero in on you and I'm going to make it worse for you. I'm going to make I'm this glad that we've established bad. this disrespect that now we can start right. sort of both giving each other. Correct. Thank you for flagging that for me. Yeah, exactly. Like you meant to mention that 70 points against the Dolphins. And I meant to mention then that you guys keep losing. Um, and it's been a four really- out of their last six. Yeah. And, and I think that's where a lot of the Patrick Mahomes frustration is, because I think a lot of people have pretty much put a bow on this conversation, but here's where here's a frustrating part for me. I never played peewee football, right? You played peewee football. My dad is a referee. We've talked about this. He is always repping for the official. He was like, even little kids know that you look at the official to make sure that you are, if you have any questions, to make sure that you are not offsides when you're an offensive player. And like, they'll give you, you know, they'll, to Patrick Mahomes' point, like they'll, they'll let you know, you know, hey, no, they'll warn you, whatever. His own coach was like, he didn't do that, Kadarius Tony. He didn't do it. I mean, it was just clear and obvious. And my thing is, I get it. It's frustrating. You're losing more at the end of the season than you have your whole career. You're not streaking towards the Super Bowl, or at least you're not, you know, going in high. And things are tough. And so you're having these sort of meltdowns and temper tantrums about this offsides call. But Gare Bear, I feel like the like Patrick Mahomes is was starting to get a little unhinged. And that is belabored by this thing that he said at a press conference when he was talking about the potential that this play impacts Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career. Listen. And like I said, man, that's a Hall of Fame tight end making a Hall of Fame play that won't be shown because we threw a flag on front offensive offsides. And so it takes away from not only this game and this season, but from a legendary career that Travis has had. And I mean, that hurts me because I know how, how hard he works for it. Gary. Oh. Yeah. Like, what are we talking? What are we talking? What are we talking about? What? That man is a first ballot walking, moonwalking into Canton if he never plays another snap of football again. Come on, man. Now we're talking about it ruining his legacy. This is like abhorrent. Y'all stop. Stop, Gary. <laughs> there was something. There was something odd and unfamiliar with Patrick Mahomes is. I guess sort of just overall behavior after that game. I mean, we've seen him lose before. We've seen him lose close games. But he was just on one to a degree. I was thinking to myself, like, something else happened or there's something going on behind the scenes that's, like, making him lash out to this degree because he's, for the most part, been a pretty humble loser. And I, I listened to that sound. He doesn't lose, Gary. That's the That's point. what I'm saying. He hasn't he doesn't had lose. to be a humble loser. So I think because going into this game, it was losers of three of their last five, and they hadn't lost uh, to the Bills when it counts. I'm talking in the playoffs at Arrowhead. Uh, and now it's losers of four of their last six. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he's like sensing this the un the, the invincibility factor that he's been able to play with for the better half of the last half dozen years is sort of like, oh, is the playing field evening here for me? Um, and now that his sound was like, you know, that's a Hall of Fame player making a Hall of Fame play 
And now that play's not going to be included in the, in the highlight si- reel for in the what? sizzle reel. But because Patrick Mahomes said that, that soundbite and that play are going to be in the eventual highlight sizzle in Correct. the year 2034 when Travis Kelsey is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Like, it's just, Gary, it's so ridiculous. This whole thing is so absolutely ridiculous to me. But the, <laughs> the, 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 sky, the sky is falling in Kansas City. No, and, here's and so the thing. is the ceiling. Here's the, <laughs> it's all coming down. Here's the thing. I believe that what we just witnessed with Patrick Mahomes and the officials was NFL's version of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Oh. I think that Patrick Mahomes was projecting his anger at his receivers onto those officials. He can't yell at Kadarius Tony. He's a great leader, that Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to scream at the fact that you know his receivers drop balls. He's not going to stand up at the press conference and talk about the fact that in these huge moments, in four of those last six losses, they always find a way to spit the bit. I mean, the Chiefs are finding a way to lose as well, right? So like, he's not going to say any of those things in the same way that Will wasn't going to yell and cuss out Jada for embarrassing him for years publicly. He slapped Chris Rockford instead. And I think Patrick Mahomes (laughs) slapped the officials because he couldn't slap Kadarius Tony. Well, listen, he's running out of time to either yell at, undress, or smack Kadarius Tony because I'm surprised he hasn't been released by the Chiefs. I mean, he yeah. had the he had the drop in the end zone a couple weeks back. I mean, the egregious overstep. Now, I do want to give a tip of the cap to our boy Dan Orlovsky. I'm watching NFL or, uh, Monday Night Countdown last night, and, of course, Dio eats, sleeps, breathes football. And he was like, I went back and watched every single snap of this game just to watch where Kadarius Tony lined up. And that wasn't the first time he lined up offsides. So I think it is incumbent on the official at some point, first quarter, second quarter, you're starting to see this become a habit. I'm not defending Tony, but if you are allowed, if the referees are allowing you to get away with this through the first 58 minutes of a football game, there is a little bit of responsibility for them to do their job. Call it in the first quarter, at least talk to him about it. So that way it's in his mind. It's it's He's cognizant of it. So that way when he does um, break the rule in the fourth, the refs can't say, we didn't tell you. No, no, no. We told you. We flagged you in the first quarter, and the second quarter, and the third quarter when it happened. So, uh, gosh, I think the blame does go both ways because if you don't set the precedent, you can't set it at that moment of the game. So I got some. I got a mom stat because, as you know, I was on vacation, and I do try my best when I'm on vacation to unplug a little bit. So while I did watch the that Chiefs game, I didn't get into to too deep of a dive on the stat part. So I got a mom stat. So take yes. this mom stat with a grain of salt because my mom told me this is total secondhand information. I have no idea if it's accurate. So perfect that I'm then saying it perfect. to the public. Perfect. Um, but she said Thanks something like, you're right. If you look at the last like 15, 20 years, they only called offensive offsides like a, like 10 total times. But if you look at this year alone, because the NFL apparently put an emphasis on calling this more, you know how they'll do. They'll sort of every yeah. year tell officials, look out for this, look more out for this. We're going to start, you know, cracking down on this. So apparently they said they were going to start cracking down on offensive offsides and that this year alone, they've called like 11 or 12. So like, Yes, and to some degree, it was never really cold ever at all. Even I like was like, wow, offensive offsides. I haven't seen that one in a while. Um, but 
But uh, this year in particular, the NFL has made it a point that they're going to start calling it more. And they have, apparently. So, listen, you know at, the end of the, at the end of the day, ultimate what? That's your mom. Yeah. Being married to a ref. Yeah. And caping for the refs. Always caping for the refs. We see you, Tony. We know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. But you know what? Andy Reid kind of caped for him a little bit, too. He did come out and say, like, yeah, man, Kadarius was lined up off sides and... On top of that, we had three additional downs to get into field goal range, and we did not. So it's not like that was the last play of the game. Um, listen, it was an awesome play. I was like, I cannot was, believe that that sick. just happened. It was a fantastic Travis Kelsey play. I don't think it will and would have gone down as the greatest one of all time because it would have been what? Beating the Bills in December, something you kind of expect that you're going to do. Um, well, it's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame per Patrick Mahomes. It's going to – he's – sorry, dude, Canton – don't pay a visit there. The Bills, though, another underdog. Um, we saw a whole grip of underdogs win week 14 in the NFL. Eight underdogs. That's the most in a week this whole entire season. And uh, we, of course, saw two more underdogs win on Monday Night Football. The doubleheader. Fantastic. Giants beat the Packers. Titans beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins were 13 and a half point favorites. So it's the largest underdog story on Monday Night Football. Uh, and and this is honestly, I'm going to let you do, you wrote a couple of too long didn't watches. I love yep. that for you. Still in vacation mode, honestly. So I'm going to let you take you that. No, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for let that. Just, l- listen, L, l- I got you. Listen, I got you. Let me you. sit back I and was, listen to these jokes. Listen, I was not in Turks and Caicos. I had nothing to do but sort of watch football, read recaps, and give you just two stupid jokes. Are you ready? I'm Here ready. Here we go. Um. <clears throat> Cue the music, if there even is one. I never remember. Here we go. Ladies, if you're not interested in a one-minute man, can I interest you in Will Levis? He's a four-minute man. Not just once, but twice in that time he scored. Ha. To beat the Dolphins. Titans were down sub four minutes by that uh, 13 and a half points. The Dolphins had this thing covered. People went to bed, and then they lost. Which indicates to me, too, Tyreek Hill is not just the MVP of this team. He's the MVP of the league. Come Here we on. go. Bump, 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 bump. A little closer to home. Right down there in New York. The Giants, they've won three straight. Tommy DeVito keeps winning ball games. His agent, pictured here, on the phone, about to bring DeVito a deal he can't refuse if he keeps winning L. And that's my... Jersey accent. Is, was that Tommy that, that DeVito, was? Four, I think four incompletions, a, a touchdown, yeah. nearly ran for 100 yards. I mean, I'm stretching it here. He ran Early. Like it 70. was 70, but that's fine. It was 70, but that's closer to 100 than 60. And he did it in those Giants throwbacks. And I think that they should make those their permanent uniforms. They're so fire. Tommy Cutlets, Cutlets for everybody. I might buy a horn. All right. Everybody's Italian. Everybody's Italian, L. Like, so the thing is, is that at first with this whole thing, it was like, even at work, like people will sort of do the like very stereotypical Italian hand gesture talking about defeat. I was like, man, I wonder if this is like cringy as hell to Italian people, right? If this feels a little bit more like appropriation or, you know, like you're making fun of them or you're being very like, but man, his family's leaning all the Ah. way into this man there. I mean, his agent literally dressed as a character from Scarface or from, you know, wait, Scarface. His name is like Sean's. 
Sean Stellato. He calls himself the Italian Stallion. He's got like a flip phone on the sidelines. He looks like he's trying to secure his guys some gabagool. It's like that's oh, what I'm saying. Just so, that's what I'm saying. It, they're all playing the part really, really well. And um, and I love, I love uh, because let's unpack that a little bit, right? I mean, the Packers really needed this win. They're firmly yes. in the playoff hunt. They really needed this win. And on top of that, not just Tommy DeVito and the Giants pulling the upset, but the Packers under Matt LaFleur were perfect in December. They were 16 Which is crazy. and oh, isn't that nuts? I had to but, read that stat over again. Yeah. So they snapped the second longest December winning streak in NFL history with Tommy DeVito. And to your point, uh, he had only one incompletion in the entire second half. He just did. Ex- he keeps doing exactly what they're asking. Just incredibly efficient. Lisa Salter said it uh, yesterday on the broadcast when she was talking to him. Just efficient. You, it was clean. You didn't have any penalties. I mean, you just really played good football. And then she asked him, you know, why in these big moments he just keeps winning as they've now won three in a row. And I love what he said. Yeah. He was just basically like, I've been playing since I was five years old. Like, I know it's on a bigger stage, but like, I love football and this is fun. So, um, and I think that when you reach this point of the season, you're sort of looking for those, listen, we've got all the big storylines, the playoff implications and things like that. Those never change any year, every Mm -hmm. year, but down the stretch, there's always those storylines, those really fun things that we can all sort of rally around. I think last year it was the lions making that run and like, would they make the postseason for the first, like all of those things. Um, And I think this it's Tommy DeVito this year. Like, it's just a fun story that everybody can sort of say, this is great. What I'm wondering, Gary is have we at, all reach the point where we're going should we ship danny dimes out of here and sign tommy up hey we don't even got to worry about that all right danny dimes might be sleeping with the fishes this time next year all right because sean starlotta got a guy he's got a guy he's gonna take care of it you don't worry about it he's got a guy he's gonna take care of it all right hey i think the contrast is pretty crazy too the same the teams that share metlife have the same exact record and it is the, it's the SpongeBob meme where I think is it is it Squidward looking out the window and it's it's Patrick and SpongeBob just having a great time and that's the Giants like we're five and eight we got Tommy Cutlets we're not going to the playoffs but here come get yourself a sangi and then it's the Jets who are like five and eight and we're like gosh the Jets what are they doing they're just the worst team worst team ever Zach Wilson oh, we feel so bad for him. They have the same record as the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's because, you know, again, they both lost their franchise quarterbacks. It's just that for the Jets in particular, it's been sad because of the benching thing with Zach Wilson, because just how pathetic that's been. And like Aaron Rodgers, of course, staying, you know, Danny Dimes isn't on one of the, you know, most popular sports shows every single week. Right. So I think for the Jets, it's just the the idea that the storyline is so sad because of the expectations. I'm not sure anybody thought that the Giants had Super Bowl aspirations this year, but certainly did they did for the Jets. So yeah, no, it's a great point to make. Like how you look at it. Are you a glass half full or half empty person? I think for the Jets, it's sad because if you could have strung a couple of wins together a few weeks ago, you might be looking forward to Aaron Rodgers coming back, but that's sort of cemented. So um, because the Jets aren't in the NFC where there's like a hundred teams that are six and seven and all in the playoff hunt, because the AFC, especially with the Broncos deciding that they were going to start winning. Yeah, what um, the hell? Yeah, I, it, it, listen, I don't know what's going on. I just know that whatever whatever embarrassment happened after Miami, I want to know what Vance Joseph yeah. said to the – he is like 
like what happened because they cut maybe, two old guys they cut young. two two old guys i guess but like is that it i mean is it that you literally got embarrassed in a way that no defense has ever been embarrassed before and it just decided to make you turn things around i don't know if any of those sort of intangible galvanizing win one for the gipper things really work but god what is in the water there? But anyway, I do think that the Giants is a is a fun storyline and people love the improbability of the Tommy DeVito part, right? Like no one, the Zach Wilson thing is a storyline that's not a storyline anymore, apart from saying put him out of his misery. But tip of the cap to Zach Wilson, took care of business win. against the Texans, a playoff team. I think he threw for over 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So it's good to see because we were team pro, uh, team pro Zach Wilson last week because we were like, Stop playing with this guy's emotions. Got renamed the starter. Boom, had a big game. Hung up 30 points on the Texans. So tip of the cap, cutlets for Zach Wilson too. I'm Italian. You also mentioned the uh, the uh, you're going to be an honorary Italian. Do, can you self-proclaim that. that? I feel like someone needs to invite you to the – what would be the Italian version of the cookout, right? Like I would invite you to the cookout. Yes. Is it a, what is the Italian version of that? Well, my Sunday boy dinner. Joey- Exactly. My boy, Joey G, the king of Staven, you know, Joey G. Um, he's invited me to that Silver Sounds Beach Club. All right. The boys have invited me down there to the shore. All right. So I'm I'm there already. I'm there, L. Yeah. It's just that my schedule hasn't allowed me to go down there and just really, sure. really have a go with, with the fellas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well... For sure. Here's here's one little bit of advice before you go hang out with your new Italian family. Definitely do not trot out that horrific example of an Italian accent you tried to trot out earlier. Just like stay. I just away think from it's that. funny that you thought that that was an attempt at an accent. L. It's just it's just part of me. You know what else is part of you is previously in your former life when you had no game. Um, a part of you was sort of fumbling the bag despite people throwing it at you. And that's kind of what the Titans Dolphins game was. The (laughs) Titans were trying so like, like full disclosure, you guys, Gary back in the day when we would go out in Boston, you know, Gary was a TV star and Gary is of attractive man. If you've never watched the YouTube show, this is a reason to pop on over so you can see Gary. I mean, that's what we're all here for anyway, is pretty face. The girls loved Gary in Boston and like they would like circle him and they would flirt and they would throw it at him and he would just, oh, I don't know what to do. And he swears that the game is that he acts like he has no game. But I watched this man in action and he had no game. And that was the Titans yesterday. That's it was the like game. it was like for so long they just like it was like they just kept trying to give the game to the Dolphins. They're like, we are wide open. Come and get it. Come and take this game, baby. It's yours. Whatever you want. And the Dolphins were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Does she like me? What do I? And it's like, yes, take the <laughs> game. And eventually, the girl was like, you know what? Never mind. I am gonna win this game, and I'm gonna offer it up to someone at another date. And that's exactly what they did at the end. Okay. Damn. Because they tried their absolute best to not win that game. I mean, the Titans just kept shooting themselves in the foot with fumbles and specialty. I felt so bad for that punt returner. But I do wonder if your name rhymes with error, if we should be surprised that you made a big one. (laughs) Are you destined? I mean, who expected that? Vegas set the ESPN bet. It's two score. All right. Everybody went to bed at that point when the Dolphins were up. 
they were dancing in the end zone. They were going yes. to remember the Titans. Yes. They were choreographing. Yes. That's a that's that's the most embarrassing part of all of this. I mean, they were doing human wheelbarrow racing and then they lost. Yeah. What the hell happened? Not making excuses here, but they were down three offensive linemen. Tyreek Hill's wife called him basically like stop being a B word and get out there. But Doodle was only able to play 30 plays. Um, Tua got bottled up and we did not expect to see this from the Tennessee Titans. No, we did not. And it kind of, it throws a big wrench at the top of the AFC playoff picture, which I think, you know, chaos coming down the stretch of this regular season is a good thing, but you want to start seeing, you know, who you think is the, is the, is the cream of the crop start to separate themselves so we can get a, a little bit more clear of a picture in the AFC, but it's more muddled than it's ever been. This was a first for the Dolphins because typically they're just beating up on losing teams. And then this time yes. they actually lost to a losing team. They yes. were 9-0 coming in um, to this week against teams with losing records. I mean, yes, it can't be it can't be understated that losing Tyreek Hill was a significant amount of time. He missed like 26 minutes of game action. And you mentioned it a little bit, Gary. For those that don't know, he hurts his ankle. It looked pretty bad, too. Yes. And he said afterwards, like, it was really bad. And I felt pretty awful. And that happened in the first quarter. He goes to halftime. He texts his wife, like, my ankle feels like I, I, like I'm, and she basically gave him like a, you know, tough titty said the kitty, but the nipple's still good. Like you better get in there and you better play, <laughs> bud. Like, I don't care. Hey, He's like, shake that <laughs> off and you need to play. And he went back uh, in the third quarter and, you know, he, and he did what he, what he could. Certainly he helped put them up by 14 with three minutes left in the game, but it was so relatable um, of like husbands and wives like basically being like don't embarrass me and nut up like you need to step up and this exact thing happened gare bear while we were in turks and caicos oh no uh, because the house that we were staying at you know had like a like a little recreation area down in the bottom of it so there was like a gym and a pool table and the men lots of alpha men on this trip great dudes as y'all tend to do at some point pool breaks into challenges so it's like yep if you lose this pool game or if you miss this shot, you have to go, you know, hang from the pull-up bar for two straight minutes. And if you don't, then you're That's a loser, hard. right? Like these kinds of challenges. Yeah. So yeah. eventually the wives find their way down there and then the competition becomes, can the wives beat this one dude who had a very unimpressive 25 second mark of hanging? And so then it became a challenge of can all of the women beat this one dude. So of course all the dudes can then make fun of him. Like all of the wives beat you. Um, but all the like husbands were like pep talking their wives before they would take their turn at the, at the chin up bar, like, okay, like on technique and stuff. And it was just so, so funny to me. I was like, you guys really want like your, you want your women to like represent <laughs> you well so you can get your bragging rights on. Like it was, I was like, I yeah. still relate to Tyree Hill's wife right now. So wait, how long did you hold the bar? Ed? I was the longest of the ladies. Um, one minute and 10 seconds. What? Yeah. And honestly, me... I could have gone longer, but I got like mildly uncomfortable in my left hand. So I just dropped. What was it? Did you go underhand? Did you go overhand? Did you go? Yeah. Overhand. Tucked my knees up so that I would like weighed less. So it was like less of an you impact. You tucked your knees? I tucked my knees so that it was like less of an impact. Like less of a you hang. You like a my... crunch? Yeah. Wow. You know, That's like like at cross at the ankles, knees tucked. And um, like I said, I probably could have hung on for about another 15 or 20 seconds. But 
Once I beat that one dude and then beat everybody else, I was like, well, I'm good. <laughs> That's all I care about, Gary. All that matters in life is beating everybody else at something. Yes. And aforementioned, uh, L gets bored easily. So after a minute and 10 seconds, she was already in Turks and Caicos, bored out of her mind. So she yeah. was like, I can't be double bored Correct. just hanging from this pull-up bar. Yeah. Get me out of here. I need something all else right. to do. Quick. Understood. Hey, hey congratulations. Uh, congratulations on the title. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank I'm you. proud of you. That we should have we should have had video so we could put it in the top ten. I'm gonna hang it. Uh, I'm gonna get a banner made and I'm gonna hang it in my room because it's going to mean as much as that banner that the Lakers are going to hang in the rafters for winning the in season tournament. That is a good segue. Do we do we find this to be uh, embarrassing? Do we are we on par with this? Just to catch our our audience up. The Lakers win the inaugural in-season tournament over the Pacers on Saturday. In-season tournament. Big deal. Everybody gets $500,000 and, you know, these are our big rosters now. Not everybody's making LeBron money. Big deal. Big enough deal that we're hanging a rafter because that is what Lakers GM Rob Palinka has says they will do. Now, here's the caveat. He says that it will not look like their other 17 championship banners. Mm -hmm. It will be a different mm -hmm. size and color. It will not even be next to those ones, and it will be a catch-all. If they win 20 more of these, they'll just be the one banner that will always represent their participation in the inaugural one, and that's it. And I'm still wondering with all of those caveats if it still feels like you're the Lakers, bruh. Like, that feels like something – that the Pacers would do if they had won, yes. or the Hawks, right? It's like, who was it? The, it was like a AFC championship participant, right? The like Colts. the Colts. Like, Second round entrance right. or whatever it was. Right. It's like, damn, that's, congrats. Sick, dude. <laughs> like, it feels a little bit like the Lakers are above that. Um, but I also understand maybe wanting to commemorate something that you did for the first time because you were the first to do it. I don't know. I'm torn here. This is like um, this is like every prescription medication ad where it's like this will cure your itch, but it could also result into death and diarrhea oh. and and nauseousness and sleep depravity. Like he gave so many like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Palinka offered so many so many caveats or like uh, prerequisites. No, that's not the word I'm looking for either. L, help me brainstorm disclaimers anyway yeah, disclaimers. he he gave so much buffer that i'm like if you gotta have all this buffer for this banner is it worth it yeah it better not be anywhere near the kobe jerseys that are hanging up both the 8 and the 24 because kobe would get sick to his stomach you guys put up a banner for some in-season tournament that we just had to win seven games for <laughs> he would spit on that banner get this out of here although all that being said I like the idea, okay. and I like and I like the tournament, and I like what it meant for the game. Because think about it. I mean, we were talking about the in season tournament, and I think it's it's no it's no surprise, it's no hidden, you know, uh, thought here that you know a lot of people don't pay attention to the NBA until after Christmas. Like Christmas Day basketball is basically when the NBA starts for a large sum of the casual fans sure the nba instilled something prior to that christmas jump off date that made all of us tune in lock in and they added a little bit of uh gravitas to the season season which we would normally just be like oh yeah first 30 games of the year it's whatever so um that being said i think the nba did a good job with the in-season tournament 
I think it's also funny how like Anthony Davis, a dude who makes $40 million a year, is like having to pretend that 500000 He won't even... These guys won't even know when the direct deposit hits. I'm not kidding, L. You know what? The- I'm so tired of, of like normal people like us, though, just like being so flippant about other people's money. Like even to Anthony Davis, who's making $40 million a year, $500,000 is a big deal. LeBron James doesn't even pay for Pandora. He's that cheap, right? Like money is still important to these people. And to act like they're just like, oh, whatever. They're not, you know, billionaires. Like they're not like they, this is, that's still a lot of money. That is still a ton of money. And in particular, when you think about how many, you, much money you pay in agent fees and this and that and whatnot, that's still a a lot of money so let's not being like they won't even know well no i think that both can be true i think one i'm not being flippant i am being just honest that these guys won't know when the direct deposit hits i'm t- they they won't know when the direct deposit hits because what is it 500 and again it's money that i'll never see in my life it's money that i don't know what it's like to get a direct deposit like that so i won't know but those guys come on that, that was feels, that was what that feels like very like defeatist and sad. You just said that what? for the rest of your life, like you're like, I'll never see five hundred thousand? Really? You don't I think ever? I'll never see a five hundred thousand dollar just deposit into Well my now account. you won't. <laughs> yo, yo, L, hook me up one time, dude. Hook me up. For all yo, future potential brand endorsement partners for Gary, he has just told you he never expects in his whole life to ever see a five hundred thousand dollar check. So there you go. That's your jumping off point. Go I'm lower. Just kind of like a, I'm just kind of like a I'm just kind of like a realist. But anyway, Palinka's laying out all of these these qual- <laughs> qualifications. Gosh, that's the word I was looking for. These qualifiers. Um pre-qualifiers, yeah. Yeah, man. That's cool for the Grizzlies. You know what I'm saying? That's not cool for the Lakers. You know who is for sure I think going to be watching every direct deposit hit especially because of his new payment structure oh, yeah. Shohei Otani hell yeah yo two million dollars in LA I'm gonna say this that's not obviously he's got ad money and he's got you know endorsement money that's, that's like middle class money the, yeah that's what that's what I'm saying yeah two million in LA is a million <laughs> spread out over the course of the season this dude's like living just the middle class lifestyle so let's just catch everybody up Shohei Otani the the free agent market watch ends he is going to sign up to be a Dodger because of course like the Dodgers are inevitable they're always going to overpay now this is a team that has Freddie Freeman Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani on it let's see what happens right but he signs the 700 million dollar deal we talked about it on the show a couple months ago I'm paying him 750 he should be tickling a billion I get it even though we don't know if he'll ever be able to pitch again he is coming off surgery he ain't pitching this year that's what we do know um so there's still some question marks and on top of the fact Shohei is not a young guy he is not Juan Soto right in 10 years he'll be almost 40. so he signs this deal and our Jeff Passan says that his salary is almost entirely deferred until after the 10 years are done so basically Otani's going to make two million dollars a season over the next ten years, and then when the contract ends, he'll get a big balloon six hundred and eighty million dollar payment. Okay, so this is like laughing in the face of the Bobby Bonilla payments that we laugh at every single year. What is dubbed the worst contract of all time by the Mets, who have owed this man more money than they ever needed to because of the payment structure. This is essentially the same exact thing. Now, 
Shohei made $40 million in endorsements last year. The guy's not living in poverty level. He's not going to have to have a roommate. <laughs> He's fine. Okay. However, I actually think that this makes a ton of sense because when you are playing, A, it still means that the Dodgers can be competitive and actually make this thing work. And in their mind, it assures that they will be able to at least secure a championship. And oh my God, with this roster, you should be able to. It also protects you because while you are playing for the next 10 years, while Shohei is in MLB, he is going to make plenty of money on endorsements. He's going to capitalize on his cachet and his clout and his relevancy. And then when that goes, and he's going to make a great living doing it. And then when that money goes away and he is no longer relevant and he is no longer on your screen anymore, he's going to get 680 million. It's like, it is nuts. It is so smart. It's sort of like the, you know, Shaq approach. Shaq saying he never, ever spent a single game check that he ever had because he just left on his endorsements. Like it's sort of that same exact approach, just planning and preparing ahead of time. And what's interesting here, Gary, is that while a lot of people are like, look at you, Shohei and whatnot, there's a lot of people saying that the other 29 MLB teams should be rightfully pissed off, angry, and trying to get the league to do some type of intervention. What do you think? It's in the collective bargain agreement that any team, any team, not just the Dodgers, any team can defer any amount of payment. And it's something that Jeff Passan, you know, took out the excerpt, tweeted it out. I mean, that guy is, stays on the post of everything. So it's not like these rules are like for just the Dodgers, um, you know, and nobody else. So anybody has the ability to do that. And if the Dodgers can, listen, man, it's within the rules personally, personally, <laughs> I know the Dodgers. All right, listen, they're a legacy brand, Major League Baseball's billion dollar corporation. I personally just wouldn't trust, like, all right, in 10 years, I know they got me. I know this is, listen, Major League Baseball ain't folding. This ain't no fly by night contractor. But I'm like, I want my money and I need it now. Call Gary Wentworth, 877, <laughs> give me my cash now. I, I, might de I might defer a little bit of it, but like for me to just trust, listen, a contract's just a piece of paper. For me to just trust that the Dodgers is going to lace me $68 million for the next 10 years when I walk away. One, two, that's like a little hidden thing. Like has Shohei determined that he's just done with baseball after 2034? No. Be well, because a lot of people are like, well, because he's smart. Because if he moves out of LA, goes back to Japan, then all of that tax money he saves, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, damn, is he like throwing out the tea leaves? Of course, who knows? That's in 10 years. But, and he'll be 39. He can pitch. Pitchers can pitch into their 40s. Elite hitters can pitch it or can hit into their late 30s as we've seen early 40s. So this guy's got another contract, which is just insane. Uh, to think about, but I like the rules, man. The rules are established for a reason. And yes, the, the, the Dodgers are a big market team with big money so they can spend more, but it ain't like other teams haven't utilized this. So listen, all's fair in love and war in baseball. I think this is smart if you're a player too. Like I have no idea if this is what went into it or not, but I do know that Shohei's image um, and all those things are important to him, privacy and those things. I also know how the public is. I mean, we are part of the media. We do this for a living. And the second that there is a lull or a dip or whatever, it's a constant reminder. You're paying this man $75 million a year. Yeah. You cannot live up 
to a $75 million a year contract. It's just like impossible to do. So what you do is you protect yourself from that. This man is making $2 million a year, which, you know, on paper is pretty cheap. And I think what you do is if you're Shohei's people, you're hedging your bets that by the time this 10 years is over, the Dodgers will have felt so incredibly grateful for what was a, a, a pretty team-friendly deal and will ultimately end up being less money because 10 years from now, these kinds of contracts will become standard, right? So I think it protects them because I think their hope is that by the end of this 10-year run, everyone's going, Shohei was worth every single yeah. dollar. And you protect him in the moment by only paying him, only paying him $2 million a year because it does at least at the time um, absolve you from being able to at every turn say, is he worth this money? Is he worth this money? I mean, we do it all the time. We do it to every single person who signs a significant deal. We make them, you know, pieces on sports center where we run down their salary and then we look at how bad they've been or how bad their QBR is or blah, 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 since they signed their contract. And we just all lay in wait for you not to be able to live up to it. So this way, Shohei's protected from that and he'll get all his money on the back and when it's all said and done. And honestly, if he doesn't live up to that, if he doesn't live up to that 750 or $700 million contract, he will take his money in 10 years and he will go on about his merry life. And it makes so much sense to me. I mean, I think it's brilliant. That's a good point too, because if he's just making two million and he's deferring all this money for the next ten years to allow the Dodgers to continue spending and bringing in pieces, every single question if the Dodgers fall short of whatever goal it is, and it's World Series for the next ten years, beyond him, it's always and he can say, "Listen, hey, I gave you a team friendly deal through through his translator. I'm only making two million. I deferred this money so the Dodgers can go get correct, can go get these pieces." and we win as a team, we lose as a team, uh, but I'm only making $2 million. All right, we're deferring this till later. Like, I'm not eating up this non-existent luxury cap or uh, salary cap in baseball, non-existent uh, being the key word there. I'm not eating this up so that way the Dodgers can't go out and get reinforcements. Correct. It ain't on me. It's the Tom Brady approach, man. I mean, that man yeah. took less money than he needed to his whole career so that they could still field a roster. And they didn't spend a ton of money, but he still took significantly less money. And that's what it required. And then we saw Peyton Manning do the same thing when he went to Denver because he wanted to win a championship. And you get to a point where you need to have a championship. It will define your legacy. And you need to do it with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers need to do it. The idea that they have fielded the players that they have fielded over the last 15 years and have one championship to show is just bananas to me. And how about this for a juxtaposition? While we're talking about 700 million this and $2 million that and $50 million in ad revenue this, I've been I've been holding on to these $100 poker chips that I forgot to cash in when I was in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, L. And I am just, every day I look at these and I cry a little bit inside because... I just have $200 right here that I can't do anything with. Like $200 of my net worth are tied up in these two stupid clay chips and I don't know how to get the cash without going to Las Vegas. All right, so I mean, listen, we're talking about Shohei Otani getting $680 million deferred in 10 years. Like, wow, this guy's gonna live like a king. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking like, I could really use this $200 right now, but I don't know how to turn it into cash. Yeah. Here's what you do. Put it on eBay. Discount it. 
Yeah. So you put it on eBay and listen, here's what you do. You're not going to get that money. So you put it on eBay and you say for a hundred dollars, you can have these $200 chips. Basically someone pays a hundred dollars and they get $200. If they live in Vegas. Oh, hell no. I can't, I'm not going to give, you know what I should have done? Our colleagues were just in Vegas for the in-season tournament. I should have gave them to Scooby or John Luna and had them cash it out for me. But now I have to wait. There's no way someone's getting a a, a 50% discount on $200. So you're just going to hold on to those chips until you go back to Vegas. Or until I know somebody that goes to Vegas. Or listen, a listener or a viewer, if you're watching from Vegas and you trust me, Venmo me $200 and I will mail these to you. L, I'm using our audience. I'm using our audience. Yeah, I see. I need, I need the, our audience is a bunch of suckers is what I'm thinking. And I don't think they no. are. Well, I'm just saying if people are in Vegas and they want to help a guy out, because if I mail this to them, they can cash them out in Vegas. Tis the season. I people are in the help mood a guy of out. Yeah, I'm sure help everyone me. is rushing to reach into their tender hearts and help some dude cash in his poker chips from when he was covering Formula One for ESPN. Yes, folks, this is the kind of charity that this season really calls for. What, Gary? Stop. El, you didn't. You could have left the details out for real. <laughs> you could have. Let's choose Sarah McLaughlin. Please, someone help Gary cash in his poker chips because he got too drunk and forgot to do it before he had to fly out. The story is much worse. The story is <laughs> much worse than that. I just, I didn't. I was just working, and I was like, I'm gonna get to that. And then I was running late for the Uber, and I just put these in my pocket, and I was like, I'm not walking anywhere near, anywhere near a cage where I can exchange these so listen if any of our audience members are going to vegas soon hit up gary in the comment section or hit him up on instagram and you guys can link up and do a little currency exchange you know he will accept he will accept crypto or iraqi dinar (laughs) (laughs) i am i am a i am a a, amassing that dinar i'm gonna be a rich man one day sure we're just going to keep deferring those payments until one day <laughs> the show Hell, and, yeah. and with that friends um we will see you on thursday i will be coming to you from a hotel room in atlanta georgia praying my kids aren't screaming so we will see you on thursday gary for those that are only listening is holding up the poker chips as if they are his eyeballs now so all i see is money oh my god <laughs> Bye, all. goodbye l